Welcome to the Sabatu Mansare journey. I'm your host, Sabatu Mansare, a Muslima, a woman's empowerment devotee, a physician assistant, and a woman who will never say I can't, but rather a woman that would say, let me show you. Join me as I dive deep into faith, empowerment, unity, global health, our beloved mother Africa, and yes, chic, modest, Muslima fashion topics delivered to you in bite-sized, fluff-free episodes every Tuesday. Dalu, welcome to the Sabatu Mansare journey. As someone that grew up in Sierra Leone, where back then the youth were not prioritized and were left to fend for themselves on youth activities, dreams and aspirations, and basic mentorship. Everyone wanted to be a doctor or a lawyer, as that was all we knew, but not all of us were destined for that, nor had the grades to go along with that so-called dream. Not to mention that some of us grew up in homes where our parents, unfortunately, were not educated enough to help guide us through our true dreams of who and what we wanted to be when we grew up. And even if they were educated, being less fortunate financially played a factor as well, as we couldn't get into the best schools or get tutored or get selected for scholarships, and the list goes on. Now, all over the world, women and youth are disadvantaged, especially minorities, and this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart that this month is focused on our youth. Empowering our youth, discussing their challenges, be it education, sexual reproductive health, teenage pregnancy, youth programs, risky behavior such as drugs and alcohol, early marriage, and lack of overall resources to empower them to not just survive, but to be great. So with that, my guest today is my African brother, Henry Ukazu, originally from Nigeria. Henry is an international lawyer, mindset coach, social entrepreneur, published author, prolific writer, public speaker, and a humanitarian. He is the author of the widely acclaimed inspirational and motivational book, Design Your Destiny, Actualizing Your Birthright to Success. Mr. Ukazu holds a master's in taxation law, a graduate of the New York Law School, and with over 10 years of experience in leadership development and youth empowerment, he is currently the legal coordinator for the New York City Department of Correction. He is also the founder and president at Global Empowerment Mentoring Initiative Incorporated, and the website is glomi.com. I'll add that at the uh, at the end of the show. Uh, and Henry uh, Ukazu Leadership and Mentoring Program. He richly employs both platforms to host Design Your Destiny podcast series and a weekly webinar on empowerment and leadership training. Design Your Destiny series. Mr. Ukazu is an influential advocate for millennials as powerful instruments of community and global transformation. Apart from being profiled by News 12 and New York Times, he's also a favorite guest on various media outlets. He has enjoyed the rare privilege of a 2013 joint profile on leadership alongside the former South African president, Nelson Mandela, on the topic, The Making of a Leader. That's absolutely impressive. Everything you've done is very impressive, but that very last line is actually the coolest thing I've actually read in a long time. Um, I'm very impressed, and it sounds like you and I have a lot of plenty uh, of collaborative opportunities ahead. Now, Henry, it's my pleasure to have you here with me today. We shared a digital space where we were both featured in Business Africa Online back in November. Shout out to Mr. Alaba Ayinuala and to you, sir, 
Welcome to the journey. Thank you so much. I'm highly humbled to be here this morning to see you. Perfect, perfect. So, Henry, we're going to dive right in. I want you to tell the listeners and myself, I've, I've learned a lot about you just reading your, your, your bio, but tell the listeners and, and, and myself how your journey into empowerment and mentoring began and what prompted you to get into this space. Thank you for that wonderful question. For me personally, I think it is more of like a self-call. Mm-hmm. I, right from my high school days, I saw myself in that field of leading. Okay, I was in high school, I was assigned a position to lead my school of students, and I did a good job. And when I went to high school in college, I think that was where I had that um, leadership um, ability came up. Mm-hmm. In my college, I was assigned another big position to be in charge of at least 1,500 students. So basically, I give them the instructions, direct them, and then, you know, question them on how to live a good life. Down the line, and I saw myself as a counselor to my fellow students. And that led the school authority to really give me more opportunities to speak. And I started speaking in different platforms. And some of my students now call me John Maxwell, meaning that I could yeah. speak very well and I could inspire very, very well. And they call me Kofiana. now. That was how uh-huh. it was when they started. And just to really spice up the whole issue again, I was really accustomed to really many books about inspiration and motivation. And so one of those books I read that changed my life was the book by, uh, by Norman Vincentel, The Power of the Power of the Thinking, mm-hmm. and also a book by Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. Mm-hmm. I read many books like Daily Carnegie, The Art of Public Speaking. There were so many books that I read that mm-hmm. changed me over time, and that helped to wire my mindset. So naturally, uh, when it comes to mm-hmm. this field of empowerment, leadership, training, is more of like a self-discovery call. That is the best way to say it. It just comes intuitively from me. I don't know how I do it, but it just comes intuitively. So over time, I kind of developed my skill on that area, and I see myself transforming lives by inspiring people. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I wrote a blog um, a few weeks ago, maybe it feels like time, just maybe it's a few months now, but talking about the quiet reflection and, 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 and knowing what our calling is. And some of us don't necessarily listen to that voice inside. And, and, I, and, and as you know, I'm a very faith focused person. And so have you, have you, have you listened to the voice inside? Have you heard what God has destined for you? Or are you just going through your day to day to make ends meet? And it's not actually what you're destined to do. So it is such a, a blessing, to be honest, to know very early in life, um, because at this age that you're talking about, you're a young man, to be able to know that this is this is what I'm supposed to do. I feel the same way about things that I do. I think that everything I've done the last 26 years is leading up to this moment. This is the moment I, I, I am supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to be doing, whether it's the foundation or whether this raising awareness um, and, and on the challenges we face in Africa. Uh, but it's, it's very interesting when I hear someone says that. But you had some very powerful, um, you know, big shoes to fill kind of names, right? The, the, yeah, Kofi Annan and, and John Maxwell is very impressive. So uh, I was reading Chike and the River when you were reading like very important, <laughs> very important books growing up. So uh, very, very glad to hear that. You know, 
this is such a powerful tool that our youth desperately need and not just in Africa, but around the world. It's unfortunately that it's unfortunate that we as as a world, specifically in Africa, uh, we invest less in our youth, the population that will actually become our future leaders. One would think would want to set them up for success in efforts to create a better world for generations to come. Now, we know there are varying sets of youth those that happen to grow up in the right environment with all the tools at their fingertips. Then there's some of us that are somewhere in the middle and the rest of us that lack access to positive role models. And we live in poverty stricken, low income communities. Now I don't say any of this to say that if you fall in that last half, does that mean that you shouldn't have the drive, the inspiration to go and do it if that's what you want to do? Because I'm certain that your life growing up was not necessarily this glamorous life, but this was something that you wanted to do and you you sought out opportunities to 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 to, actu- to actualize this 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 dream of yours or this passion of yours or this destiny of yours. And so uh, your environment does not dictate what your future is going to become. That's a very important piece that we as Africans, youth, we need to remember that. Um, So what are some tips that you can give us to empowering our disadvantaged youth? Thank you. Um, When you talk about disadvantaged youth, um, generally what the world sees as people who are disadvantaged are people who don't have that enough opportunities Mm -hmm. to really thrive in life. Some people can also see them as people who are at risk. Some people can see them also people who have different difficulties. But based on my own work that I do, I see I find that people who are not properly equipped okay. um, to really uh, really proceed. And for people who really need information or guidance on how they can really proceed in life, I think some of the things they need is more programs. You know, there should be programs that will be all encompassing. What I mean by programs, they can be programs on workshops, seminars, mm-hmm. symposiums. Um, trying to see how they can get them engaged. You can also bring in like mentoring, coaching, and even giving them education. Yes. But more importantly, to really attract these sort of people, what I think they, they need to do more is meeting them where they, they are. are. Yes. Because everybody is different. Yes. You know, everybody is different. The issue with Mr. A might be different from, from Mr. B. Mr. A might be having issue of complex. Might be, yes. Mr. B might be having issue of lack of love. They're not passing by they have an issue of the family background. Some people can be environment. A lot of issues are different. So yeah. meeting them where they are, I think um will be um the ice on the cake to really, really help them to really believe that they too can literally succeed. That yeah. not because of your environment, not because of your background, not because of any any ability you've had over time that you can believe. And that belief starts from the mindset. Yeah. Okay, because everything starts from the mind. If you allow the mind to control you, definitely um, you will be limited. And I, the way I think about mindset, because I'm a mindset coach, I tell people, like, imagine a horse that is tied to a chair, like a horse, a very big horse, tied to a chair. I mean, a, a horse that has a, a, new, a new baby horse, a little chair. And that horse will believe that my, that, that, that I am limited because I am tied to this chair. I cannot really move. Without knowing that once the horse moves, that chair will move because your mindset has already been ingrained to believe that I am limited. That is how it works. So if you believe you are disadvantaged, it starts from the mind. So I work from the mind and then walk through the person to really make them be a better person. Yeah, I, I agree. We say in the military, mind over matter, right? So I definitely agree. I think how we see ourselves 
is part of our problem sometimes. And, and that's where, that's where people like you come in to help some of us that may struggle with, with, with self doubt or, or confidence, uh, or just accept that this is just the way it is, right? Why will I be any different from my uncle, my father, my cousin, my sister? Why would I be any different? This is what it is. And I just, and we, and some of us just accept that. So I like that, that the statement that, we have to meet them where they are. And, and it's something that we also apply. Um, and you and I started this conversation before we start recording about the addiction piece. That's one of the things that we do, you know, with the homeless, you know, Boston mastered this thing that we have to go out and meet the homeless is never going to come to you trying to seek, uh, aid for their uh, their substance use disorder problem because they have a survival problem. They're worrying how where they're going to get their next meal and and how to survive day to day. Substance use or mental health is a, is a, is a, is a, is a, it's a, it's a tertiary problem of theirs. They, that's not a problem for them. Right. And so if we don't meet them where they are to raise awareness about the issues uh, and kind of coax is not the word, but mentor them into, into seeking treatment, then we'll continue to have this problem. And it's the same thing with our disadvantaged youth. It starts in our communities. And, and when we see kids hanging around street corners and they don't really have anything to do idle and I'm going to give it more from a Sierra Leone or an African standpoint it happens here in the United States as well but you know we the, the people that are somewhat um, uh, intelligent enough to know I was that youth 20 30 years ago I can influence this young man or young woman by not just driving by them every single day seeing them that they're on the side of the corner but but be a part meet them where they are and help to 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 mentor, influence, or connect them with the right people. I may not have all the answers, but I know a few people that that, that do. So I definitely like that like that statement. Um, I want you to talk to us about your development mentoring training brand platform known as Global Empowerment and Mentoring Initiative. Talk to us about that. Okay. So thank you. Uh, for the Global Empowerment and Mentoring Initiative, basically the logo is on the mood and the the most is we discover, we inspire, and we transform. That is the three big things that we do. Self-discovery is very important. When we help you to discover who you are, we inspire you, and then we transform you. And we have so many programs that we do. Yeah, we do about, we talk about um, training on leadership and empowerment. We also, do, uh, we also work on entrepreneurship, career and personal development, counseling, capacity building, public speaking, and then we also offer some consultancy services. Recently, we, we, we've seen the need to help people more on self-discovery. So we now have a program on self-discovery and awareness and mindset, basically helping people to really know more about themselves and how they can really unleash their potential. So in the program generally, what we do more is mentoring people because I do speak to a lot of high school students and those yeah. in college and even young professionals, I do speak to them. So, I cannot ask them what are the challenges. So when I go to school right now or any community work I'm doing, I ask the organizers, what are the challenges for these young students? Are they in high school, are they in college, or even young professionals, what are they lacking? What skill set do they really need to transform their life? And based on what they tell me, I now use that same approach to really give up my training because I have different training modules for different people. Mm-hmm. basically on how we work and like I've always said again we always meet them where they are because every case is literally different so if they need inspiration I have work on inspiration if they need motivation we have work on motivation if they need training or empowerment or even soft training we'll give them all this information just to make sure that um, 
they have all the literally need to really succeed. And over time, I have discovered that those are the things that literally make the difference for these young kids because training and coaching are two different things. When we talk about mentoring, we're telling them, like, look up to us, observe us, read our articles, videos, public speaking, they get it. But when it comes to coaching, we're telling them, this is how it is done, and this is how you should be doing it. Basically, you are teaching them on how to do it. So every case is different. So I look at the challenges they are going through, and I see how I can really help them. Okay. Um, it's it's impressive to take on such a big um a big task, but a, a very needed task. And, and, and this is something we need. Um, uh, grateful you've started this platform here uh, in, in, in the U.S. And, it's, and I'm assuming it's, it can be accessed probably worldwide. But I definitely uh, hope that this is something that could be uh, transformed as well or, or, or you know, replicated um, in, in Africa as well. I know there's so many mentoring um, programs out there. I'm part of one as well, Mentor X Africa. Uh, but this is, you know, this is a very, very important tool that, and, and so many of us are interested in it. Uh, but it, it's one thing to talk about and it's another thing to do it right. And that's where you are today. So, so uh, kudos to you on that. Um, how many youngsters have accessed your program uh, and and how do how does somebody get in? Right, as we're talking about this, we're we're promoting it in a sense because it's a necessary tool. So, talk to us about that. How many youngsters and 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 how does somebody uh, get in? How do you select people to get in? Okay, um, it's hard to really give it, um, a, um, like a figure to how many people who have really um, passed through my program because um, um, the program is is totally done online and in person. So, for me to give an idea of okay. people who have uh, who have gone through the program, I would say it's in the thousands because oh, wow. I'm, a, I'm very big on social media. A lot of people read my articles and they send me emails every day. They watch my, they watch my, my presentations. Sometimes they will hear me speak in different platforms. So, and I receive this kind of um, um, emails, calls, messages telling me on how resourceful my work has been. In fact, just this morning alone, I had a friend from, from Liberia. She's in a doctorate program telling me, I don't read articles on LinkedIn, but yours got my interest that you are a global asset. Let me quote her. That was the issue that got this money on LinkedIn. So I would say thousands of people have been transformed when it comes to my my work I do, both with the young kids and those even who are adults. I, I get these conversations every now and then. People call me, call me, tell me because of you, I'm now in school, I'm now a graduate, and I have this job. These are some of the I hear every now and then. But just to get into the program, I am pretty much visible. You can always go to www.flowme.com and then send me a message on my info at www.flowme.com and write them public. Mm-hmm. I'm also, uh, we also have um, LinkedIn account. We also have Facebook. You can reach me out there. Yeah. And also have my email. You can reach out to me. So to get into the program, is not a lot of science. All yeah. you need to do is have an internet service and then log in and then send them, send us a message and we'll be glad to really um, take it from there and see how we can serve you. Okay. Um, don't surprise if you see my email come through, okay? Uh, I may, I may. That would be great. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, Glow me, please help me. I'm, I'm, I need help. Um, let, let's talk about, uh, my, my, my next question was going to be a success, a success story, but you've, you've kind of 
talked about that, that you meet people or people have reached out to you to say because of your program and because of actually who you are and what you're representing, you, you're so vocal. I, 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 we're, we're connected on LinkedIn and I, I see as much you're, you're super busy, actually. Uh, and that's just your LinkedIn. I haven't actually gotten to your Facebook and other stuff yet. But uh, and so through that, people have reached out and said that they are in a better place now. They're 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 making strides. They're heading in the right direction. And so I won't I won't necessarily get into the the success story because you're living it uh, every day. And that is a that's a telling sign. If you're doing work and there's no like. Um, positive feedback on it, we should probably take a step back and say, are we targeting the right audience? Are we doing the right things? But the fact that people are doing that is, is, is good. I have different ways that people reach out because I'm not doing, you know, stuff like, like you're doing yet. I'm not at that level yet, but I'm aspiring to be there. Um, they, the people that reach out, mine are more faith related, you know, to say that I, as someone who wears a hijab and is a Muslim and is outspoken about it or outward with it to work at the White House, you're an inspiration that I don't need to to not be myself. I can be myself and I can still be successful. And because you're not defined by those things, you're actually defined by your, your work ethic and what you bring to the table. And so, um, so those, when I get those emails or, you know, direct messages, it is such a touching feeling uh, that through my, the, how I carry myself, literally, that's just it. They, they've never met me before, but just how I carry myself inspires somebody else to also be able to hold on to their faith and be successful in the dunya. So I'd uh, like to hear that. Now, now one of the many disconcerting things that I struggle with uh, with our youth is risk-taking behavior, such as experimenting with drugs, gang initiation, sex, you know, but as a Muslima, I'll refer to it as, as fornication. Now, while some youth recover from these risk-taking behaviors that lead to sometimes generally poor outcomes, some unfortunately, um, you know, some unfortunate, some lead to poor outcomes, but some even lead to worse, right? So you're talking about, you know, the vicious cycle of drugs and crime, incarceration, homelessness, infectious disease, and overdose, and, and eventually death. So as a mentor, coach, and one that works tirelessly to transform lives, and you've invested so much in, in, in the youth and the age range that you're dealing with, even though it expands to even adults, but your high school and, and young college students, how do we, what advice do you have for we as parents to protect our children from risky behavior before you have to be the person to step in? What can we start with at home? Interesting. You know, I hear these questions every now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I've always told parents is you have to be involved in the life of your children or your life of a child. That, I think, should be one of the first, from, from the, that, that, should, that should be the first step Okay. In helping your child or your or your children, depending on the case may be. Yeah. So, for example, if you have a new baby or a, a, a little baby, like I have, I have my baby, right? So, mm-hmm. from the from the from the moment of birth, okay, um, I and my wife we have this subconscious thing of how we hug our child because when you hug a child, yeah. there's a feeling of love yeah. and and um, appreciation that comes of that child. They feel it, okay, mm-hmm. even without saying it, right? So. When you're involved in your in your child's life, that is the first way. Your child wants to feel you. All right. Mm-hmm. That is one. Second again, most parents that have been able to talk to me, Henry, please, my child does not have a father figure in his life, he doesn't have a message in his life. I need to mentor him, be in his life, XYZ. And one thing I've always told most single mother is this. You know I am only a mentor. Right? This the role of a mentor is different from the role of a yeah. father. Yeah. Once a father is there, a father figure, 
that time is all like a process. It meant to come in like an hour or two every week. Sometimes four hours a month or six hours a month. It's just limited. And sometimes it's, it's professional. You try to guide that child. But when a fatherly figure is there, it helps that child to have a new life or a mother a figure is there. It's not that child. Basically, it's just like having, um, taking a child to the school. The school teacher will just do that job. But when they come back home, the parents are the ones that are meant to do most of the work. The school is just there to really guide them. So the first thing I said is you have to be involved in your side or children, like the life of the children, you have to be involved with them. And being involved with them is a process. I'll give you some instances, okay? You can hear them speak, right? Even then without them speaking. From the body language, you could hear them speak. Mm-hmm. And then you can also study your children as they grow. When I mean study your children, you look at them, what what I think they like. Yeah. You know, what I think they like, what do they do? Sometimes children love to dance, they love to play, they love to read, everything is different. You would not use Mr. A or Mr. B or your first child, second child or third child to classify your your your, your other children. No, every child is unique and every and every child needs to be treated with their own uniqueness. And this is something that I did in my first book that I wrote. I, I wrote about understanding your uniqueness. Every child is unique. So as parents, you must understand the uniqueness of a child. Show your children love. Now we go a longer way to really help them. And as you grow and, and become teenagers, this is the time you have to step up your game by scaling up your level of friendship and association. You want to know from them how to have, how to have conversation as they grow. You know, what are those things bothering them? Some of them experience bullying in school. Some of them experience lack of self-confidence at home. Even at, even at work or in that place of school. You have to know about this. And when you know about this, it helps you to really see how you can really assist them. For example, if a child is not loved at home, that child will not give up love outside. If a child experiences hatred at home, that child goes out there to experience hatred. So once you know your child, you want to know again, who are the people my child is associated with? What are your friends like? You know, there's an article I wrote a couple of years ago, your network determines your network. So basically, in that article, what I said is that you have to know the people you associate with. It's very, very critical. Most parents are not involved in their children's life, and they don't know who their children are associated with in their friends, in their school, and even on social media. You don't say, oh, this is my son, this is my, this is my daughter, this is good, but you don't know what to do on the internet. So being involved in your child's life also plays a good, a, good, a good role. Another area of how parents can really have to cope some of all these social biases is by telling their children, you know, the consequences of such acts, yeah. drug, having sex, and it's not really healthy, especially for young adults who are growing up. You want to let them know what is your vision in life? What do you want to be? And when they say it, and I say, okay, great. Do you know what are the steps you will take if you start following this, um, if you want to be on this path? Okay? When I tell you aware of this, you will see my tempted, you know, to walk in that line. Also, again, you want to answer child again. Who are your mentors? Who are, who are people you like? You know, what is you like? Just to get a feel about their yeah, understanding of life. And depending on who they say, if they come in, in the um, in the in the areas of uh, positivity that great mentors, you let them know, you see, Michael Jordan did not get to this place. Barack Obama did not get to this place just because he was living this kind of lifestyle. This was what he was doing. So if you want to do like Barack Obama, 
these kind of things you need to know. And this other guy again who has been in maybe XYZ amount of life, this where he or she has ended up. So what kind of life do you want to live? Do you want to go to jail? If you, if you live this kind of lifestyle, you never go to jail. So there are many ways parents can literally be involved in their children's life. But mm-hmm. it's a stage-by-stage process. It doesn't matter the environment. It doesn't matter the kind of friends they have. It doesn't matter what they work online. But once you are involved in your child's life, if you go a longer way to let them know that they have a life, that they cannot be limited by the environment or what we yeah. say. Just like Martin Luther King said, I have a dream that one day my four little daughters will be judged not by their skin, but by the content of the character. That is what makes the difference. So if parents can learn to be involved in their children's life, I believe it's a great longer way to make them better citizens of the world. Yeah. I, you know, I... As you're speaking, I'm torn. I'm torn on whether I should rebut you or if I should agree with you. Uh, I agree that parents, that we as parents, we should be involved in our children's lives. I think that the the, the Western society has created, you know, as good as it is, you know, people in Africa, everybody wants to come to America or whatever the Western society because they think it's, it's so much better. But there's so many things that we lack here that 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 impedes that that point that you're making that parents should be in life. People have to go to work, right? And 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 the reality, not everyone is blessed to have a a mother and a father in their home. They're blessed with one or the other, uh, and probably a good percentage of them are, are stuck with just having a mother who not only has one child, she has multiple children, uh, which requires her to work a lot more hours than she should be. And so her ability to connect, and I'm not saying every single single mother has this issue, um, but I'm saying for those that cannot, it's just the system has just been so designed that it is very difficult. Now, if you really commit it to it, you will you will make it happen. But I I really struggle with that in because I've seen these programs, these and they're not, they're not mentorship. Maybe they're kind of mentioned, you know, the Big Brother kind of programs where those people take on the role ish of of a parent, right, of a of a father of sorts or of a big brother of sorts because these children lack the men or the women in their lives, right? Because both parents are equally important. You know, as, as some of us may think, oh, that the mom should, that the mom's got it, the mom's got it. But there's a point in life where the father is also very important. The father is important from the day one, uh, but there's also, as, as, as you have sons that become young men, teenagers and so on, uh, the, the men in their lives, the, the, the fathers are very, very important. And, and I agree that parents have, they're the first step, right? The first step to getting the children on the right path. But because of our environment, all of them cannot do that. And so we, we, we end up with these, the, the children that veer off just a little bit. And then we, you know, some of us end up relying on, you know, Glow Me and Big Brother uh, and, and all the other, you know, organizations out there that kind of fill in, fill in that role because ultimately it's about empowering our youth. It's about creating a better environment for our youth. It's to, to give them to inspire them to be somebody despite their environment, despite your mother works so hard or is never around and you have to help with your siblings or you don't have time for whatever, to, to just remind them that you too can be somebody and look at that example as a way to be a better father when you grow up, to be a better person when you grow up. And so uh, maybe I'm in the middle on, on, on your answer. I agree we are the first step, but I feel like not for everybody does it work that way. When you look at it in the African context, it's a little different. Uh, because what, and I mentioned the, the, the beginning, both parents are around 99% of the time, you know, be, you know, just because of our culture, divorce and separating is not necessarily a, a common thing. Both parents are around, but we lack
lack the tools ourselves, right? We are either un, uneducated. Um, I, they, they have no, you know, if you're not of, of in, in a position of influence or power or know somebody in that, they automatically assume, I don't know how to help. You know, my kid's going to school. I, you know, he wants to be a doctor. I just pray, you know, I offer dua, I offer prayers for them and I pray that it all happens, but we don't have the skills to be able to push them forward, even though now they do have both parents. And so there's a fine balance between knowing what we should be doing as parents uh, outside of loving our children. That's a very, very important point you made outside of loving our children, but also as guiding our children. And I think I get to talk about that um, as, as we continue to, because we're going to talk about who, who our inspirations are and, and how that was that, how my parents were to me. Uh, and I think it truly defines of where I am today. So we're going to, um, you, you've, you, I love how you answer my questions because you, the thoughts that come in my head for the next question, you've already, <laughs> you've already answered it. So we're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk about a, your, your book in a second, but I want to talk, I want us to talk about failure, right? At this juncture, because you say in your book, we should turn failure into our friend. Now this, that statement is such a motivational statement, at least to me, it is because others, especially our youth, our young people, beat themselves up for failure of any sort, right? Be it not passing their entrance exams in, in you know, in Sierra Leone uh, or Africa as a whole, the West African Senior School Certificate Exam, which is like a, a very big thing. Kids are freaking out in Africa when they get to this stage, when they have to pass this course uh, to, to graduate high school um, or, or the basic education certificate exam where they're going into secondary school, right? So it's such a, now that's changed when you and I were growing up in Africa, there were different terms for that, for that stuff. But, but it is such a a burden. It's a it's a fear. It's something they carry because I cannot fail, right? Or being denied a job, or not making the soccer team, or the football team, not getting to a university of your choice, and the list goes on and on and on. And 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 people see failure as a bad thing. And your statement, and and I'm I'm one of those. I have my moments. It's like, oh, I really really wanted that. I really wish I could have gotten that. I really put all the work in for that. But I've had no's before. But those no's motivated me, and they actually weren't for me and it ended up opening a different door for me. So I do accept it. When you say take failure as your friend, I get it because I do own that part of it. So I want you um, to motivate, inspire us uh, by talk to us about that statement of making failure your friend. Interesting. Uh, this is one of the um, highlights of what I do because when it comes to inspiring and mentoring and coaching, and taking people to the next level, this is where transformation comes in. Like I said earlier on, we discover, like we identify the problem, and then when we inspire, the one we are, the one we now know what is going on. And then for us to take you to the next level, we have to transform you. And this is where that transformation comes in. After I might head coach. Okay. Now let me just say this, okay. Failure is a necessary part of success. People fail to realize that um, failure is literally good in life, technically, because it kind of humbles you in a certain uh, way. It yeah. makes you know that there's, <laughs> there, there's something you need to do, no matter how good you are. You, yeah. you, just, need, you just need to experience, because, because I've never seen any great man that has not experienced failure. Even Barack Obama himself, when he was running for election in, in Illinois, he also failed before he became um, the president. Someone like um, Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln today can be regarded as one of the best U.S. presidents. He, he is a definition of failure. In fact, in my book, I speak about him, how he failed in his business, 
speaking to his family, whether it's his marriage, mm-hmm. absolutely yes, his family and stuff like that. But still, he stayed in the election and he still became the youngest, one of the youngest US president. I think at the end of it, won, he became a president. Mm-hmm. Now, that tells you that Pedro, if only you can learn the lesson that comes with it, then you cannot use it to really unleash your potential. And that's what learn some of those things about failure. Failure is basically about attitude. There's a great man that has a quote that says, um, he says, it is your attitude, mm-hmm. not your aptitude, that determines your attitude in life. Mm-hmm. Let me repeat that. It is your attitude, not mm-hmm. your attitude. Attitude means test that's yeah, given yeah. to you. Yeah. That determines your attitude in life. So if you experience failure, setback in any way of life, how do you react to it? Because Life is just about life is not not only so you can say life is ninety percent. Life is not only what happens to you, but how you react to what happens to you. Your reaction is what makes everything a changing game for you. So failure, like I said, is a necessary part of success. Because life itself is not a straight journey. Sometimes you have the red light you just need to stop, you have the green light you just need to move, and you have the yellow light you just need to be careful. That is how life works. It's not a straight path. Okay, we all have bumps along the way. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if you stay committed, if you are consistent, and you do what you're supposed to do, definitely you will get it. And once you fail, that doesn't mean you are failed. No, that means that go back and reset yourself and go back to the brain box. What and what did you do that you didn't do right? When you come back, then you'll not be able to unleash your potential. Yeah. One of the good guys I spoke in my book when I was writing the book when I was talking about turning your failure to your friend, I yeah. spoke about Econ. Econ was in the prison, right? Yeah. He used to see trucks locked up while in prison. He never allowed the civil world to yeah. live it in. Yeah. You know, so Econ failed technically and he was jailed, but he never allowed it to really work on him. So to really take some benefit or gain from failure, there are things that we can always put in our mindset. We talk about fear. Okay, fear literally means false evidence appearing real. Okay? Yeah. That's what fear means. In the other words, people can say, face everything and rise. So it depends on what are you looking for. Face everything and rise. Or false evidence appearing real. And again, it comes down to mindset and attitude. Then you talk about doubt. Doubt means your focus in life. Once you keep doubting, you don't see yourself literally succeeding because you don't believe in your mindset. You don't believe in your ability. Yeah. When you doubt, even what you know, you see yourself limiting yourself. So doubt is a very big rule. Let me just share this with you. When I was in New York Law School, Southern Transition Law, I had a friend of mine that asked me, Mr. Henry, your exam is four hours from now. How do you think you're going to perform? Honestly, I was surprised. I know I was not going to do much in that exam. But because I was speaking to an Ivy League student in Princeton University, or the best student in our class, yeah. I told her, well, the, the, the least I'm going to get to be probably a B plus, but I'm looking to almost an A or A minus, you know. But I do know that like, I was not too close to that. But yeah. guess what? At the end of the day, I made a open side. I got a B plus, and I got an A minus. Yeah. And I took a class in that semester. So yeah. I had that confidence in me. I had to speak it. I had to speak yeah. it. I didn't allow doubt to come into me. Yeah. So, another idea again that uh, we can use today to be our friend is that we can always think positively. Not only thinking positively, you're going to speak out the way. Just like how I use the example of what happened to me when I was in New York Law School. 
You know, I never allowed those limitations to really hold me down. I told myself, you know what? I believe in you. You can do it. So failure is not about giving up. No, you must believe in yourself. Have faith that you can succeed. Have hope that you can make it. Barack Obama won the election without slogan. Yes, we can. Hope. Hope. In fact, when I was watching Barack Obama during his, um, uh, one of his um, campaigns, he'd be useful. I think during the, um, during the um, John Kerry election, he, he made a comment across to me. He says, yeah. hope in the face of difficulties, yeah. the audacity of hope. Yeah. So what I mean is that even though you say the life, don't give up. Have hope. Yeah. Do what you're supposed to do. And then your life itself will be transformed. But most times in life, I will discover that people will fail and then they just relax and think that um, yeah. everything is over. No, you could make your failure into your friend. And when you appreciate that part of it, then you will now know that there are many opportunities that come with it. Because there are many things you can learn when you fail. It's not only mean it does, oh, the door has closed. No, it means there's a door that needs to be opened. There's something you need to learn. When you learn it, then that, that, that tells you that you have learned something. You did not fail, rather, you will learn something. Yeah. So when you get it right, it's not complete. But because you've not been able to get it right, it's giving you more work to go and learn. Yeah. That is making failure a friend. Yeah, I, I like it. You, you, there's a lot of good uh, uh, advice or tips in that in that in that that that, that response. Um, one is you, you, when you fail, it's humbling. I mean, talk about humbling moments when you don't when you don't succeed in something. <laughs> I I know that far. You know, and, and my response is like to. What's up, my mom? And back when my father was alive, and just bust out crying, like, "Oh my God, I can't believe this!" Right? But so it is absolutely true. It is humbling. But what it actually is, the second one that you said that I like is that it should even serve as a motivation for you to work harder. Don't quit. Don't relax. Don't just say, "Well, it wasn't meant to be." Right? You keep working at it. And I think that as I look at my life, it's like everything didn't just align perfectly. Oh, you signed up for this. You got it. Oh, you did this. Everything you know, looks like it, right? But that's not how it happened. There's so many setbacks along the way. There's so many no's along the way. There's so many. But I also must say, there's so my confidence that I, the, in myself, right? I know what I bring to the table every single time, but people have invested. People also, I've been blessed to have people see something in me that I don't see in myself. So it goes back also to who you surround yourself with is a very important piece as well. But people invest in me, uh, and, and I say invest, this is not a financial thing, but their time, their mentorship, their guidance, their push that why are you settling for this thing? You should go and do this thing. A quick story is that I applied for a job um, recently with a, with a uh, not as recent, like right now, but um, before this right now, that's what motivated me to, to get to this right now. But um, I applied for this job and it's an it's a international organization. They're, they're in a couple of African countries, big, big, big organization out of, out of the UK, but they're, they're actually in Sierra Leone. And I applied to this job and, and I, and I didn't, I didn't, and I knew like, as I felt during the interview, I said, I felt really good. Like I, I've got this. I think that I'm answering everything correctly. I'm, you know, I'm on board. And, um, two day, two days go by or whatever. I get a message. They say, you'll find out in two days, whatever. I get a message saying that the head guy. So I, I interviewed with the head person and the person that I would be replacing. Uh, you'll hear back from, from them, um, 
in a couple of days. Well, then I get another message that just says, you'll hear back from the original guy, the, the main guy. So in my head, you know, it says feedback in my head, in my head, I was like, oh no, this sounds like I maybe I've got the job, right? Because why would you not pick me? This is, I'm Sabato Masai, I've got this, right? And um, we get on the call and no, it's, I did not get the job. But what he said is that you, and, you know, I, people used to tell me you're overqualified. And I thought, what does that mean? I don't, I don't, I no, I want your job. I, I understand I'm overqualified, but I'm applying for that position. But what he said is that your passion for your country, you are best to lead the efforts for your country than to work for my organization in your country. You And so here I'm getting a no, here is a failure, but here's an advice for you. You're better than this that you're wanting. You're better than this thing. You have a different avenue to, pro, to make a difference in your country than through this avenue that you want. Are you qualified? Are you the best? You interviewed well, everything, your, your background is great but you're better than this because you have it in you to go do your own thing and make a difference personally in your own country. And it's one of those moments I walked away from quote unquote failure, but I actually felt good about that failure, right? And so you, we, we have to be able, it was humbling still. I thought, oh, I still kind of want your job, but it was a humbling moment, but it was a motivational moment to say, oh, you've been thinking about this, this nonprofit for three years now. We've started the work and working at the White House, I couldn't do it anyway, but but this is a this is the time, and literally it motivated me to resign and from the White House, which is you know unheard of most times. But um, to then start this 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 project that I'm that I'm about to embark upon in, in a few weeks when I move to Sierra Leone. So I I, I agree, we have to be able to to see failure not as a negative thing, right? Unless you did not perform, unless you were not qualified, unless you were not present, right? That's a different thing. Then you can beat yourself and say, I could have done a little better. But if you did everything right and you're qualified and you just didn't get where you wanted to get, in your case, you didn't study enough or you studied and you you, you end up with what you got, then yes, you know, that's that that's something different. But I think let's not look at failure in a negative connotation, but let's use it as an inspiration and motivation to be better. So with that, I'm going to talk to you about... Um, inspirational people. I want you to name two inspirational people that have directly influenced your life and have played a key role in who you are today. Well, that's a, that's a very, very good question. And I'm going to say this question as personal. Um, two people that have really influenced me my life, well, that's a very interesting one, okay? Um, if you don't mind, I want to just give you a foundation before I mention two people that actually influenced me. If you don't mind, I because I, I, I don't know how to say it because I'm mentioning these two people before the actual people when I came on board. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm gonna talk about my parents, my my, my, my late dad and my mom. Okay. They were the ones that laid the foundation of who I am. Yeah. This time I wanna do any any major thing in the world, I always reference my, my late parents because yes. They were advocates of education. They literally believed, you know, that we can do it. And they equipped me with all things that I literally need before leaving this world. And once they laid a foundation, they left, then the golden angel that came on board. And I'm talking about someone like Dele Mamudu in Nigeria, who was a former mm-hmm. president in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. He wrote the promotion of book. He's a man that I've learned over time. And Yami Ganit is somebody, again, that I have so much reference to. Okay? Mm-hmm. He helped me in molding my thoughts Funding my writing skills and having a very good attitude to life. So yeah. these two people, I would say, apart from my late parents, were the two most transforming people that have influenced my life here at the same time. Yeah, uh, it, you know, 
I agree with you on, on the parents. And I, and I do have a long list of other people that have. And it's interesting that when I, there, there are different contexts that I, that I maybe apply those people's names. But mine would, would, would also be my parents. I lost my father last year. Um, and I pray that, that um, God makes it easy for my father and your parents as well. And, and, and that they're rewarded for what they have done uh, uh, on this earth. So uh, my, my condolences to you. It, it may not have been as recent, but condolences to you because, you know, even though we are you know, adults, we still need our parents, right? We still want to pick up the phone and call. I still want to call my dad and ask him a question because he was of sound counsel. He was, he was wise. With him, I learned the difference between being intelligent and being wise, right? He was, he was wise. He was filled with wisdom. Um, and, and it was, it was always what he said. It, 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 it turns out to be actually true. So my inspirational people would be, would be my parents. Um, I, I did not grow up in a rich, uh, household or come from an affluent family. Um, but I did come from a home where education and encouraging us to dream or discuss what we wanted to be was commonplace, right? At the, at the dinner table, because we all ate together. When my father come from come home from work, we all sit around and, and we, we would eat and then we would have conversations. And um, and a lot of the conversations were to, to spark our, our, he wanted to know what our interests were, but also to kind of help shape that, right? And even if it was 10 minutes or 30 minutes of conversation, we always walked away with some sort of like a compass, you know, where, where are we trying to go and what we're trying to do. Um, I was a very studious kid. And I think partly because my parents were very hard on us about our schoolwork and our grades and, and they helped, they participated with our homework and, and paid out of the little money that they had. And my father's the only one working, but paid, um, for after school tutoring, just to make sure that we were prepared, right? And as we as we got older, my siblings and I, they continued to remain influential in our various paths. But but for me, without their guidance and encouragement, I wouldn't have the commitment, the drive, the work ethic, and desire to be of service to others because I watched my father go through, I watched my mother go through that, right? So I'm truly grateful that despite growing up in a country with poor infrastructure for our youth, my parents did their very best to prioritize our education. Um, Plus, I also grew up in a Muslim household, so and it was very strict, so risky behavior wasn't even an option. So you better study and you better study some more because it's not like you're going to do anything else. Um, but I, I, I agree with you on your parents being, you know, for Africans, most of us, I think that our parents happened to be, you know, what they couldn't achieve. They really wanted it for their children and they would do anything to make sure that we, that we, we got there. And then as I moved to the United States, I've met so many mentors and, and, and folks along the way in the military that I, I mentioned earlier that believed in me, just saw me work with me for a little bit and and truly said, you have potential. There's something I see in you and you should do this next job. I'm going to recommend you for this next job. And then I'll go in an interview and sure enough, I, I, I would get the job. And so uh, again, people believing in you, but it's based on who, how you carry yourself, your work ethic, what you're bringing to the table, your value, your self-esteem. Um, uh, th- all of that, your work, it's, it's very important um, to, to have the people, those people to, to inspire you outside of, outside of family, because family is always on your team regardless. Um, now, you're not only a mentor and, and coach to young people, you're the author of an amazing inspirational book, Design Your Destiny, Actualizing Your Birthright to Success. And I want us to talk about this book. Now, we can't delve too much in it because then no one will read it. They'll just listen to it here and then that'll be it. So what we're going to do is we're going to, I want you to tell the people three big takeaways from the book that you'd like our listeners to know. Three things that if you read that book would be very impactful to your life. 
Thank you. The first thing that people will get from the reading the book is the book will help them to discover who they are. The book is very big on self-discovery and purpose. That book will help you to really know who you really are because a lot of people don't know themselves. That book will give you an insight to unveil your purpose. And then the second big thing the book will help you to, to know again in life or the second value to add to you is to help you to unleash your potential. It's one thing to know who you are. Mm-hmm. But it's another thing to see how you can now bring who you are into fiction or into existence. So know who you are is one step, but the second step is all about how do you unleash your potential. Do people have so many skills, so many talents, so many gifts? Some people know how to hone these things, like differentiating it. So the book will help you to put it into perspective. And then the last thing that the book is going to help you to do is it will open your eyes by transforming you to a better possible, what you don't even know that you can literally do. So transformation is another big part of the book because that book is, is, is a stages. Okay, mm-hmm. it's, it's like a guidepost leading you from one step to another through diagnosis, through questions, through exercises, through analysis, through insights. It's very, very practical for you to really know who you are, where you can unleash your positions and how your life can be transformed. And I say this with all sorts of sincerity without standing over there because many people who have read that book, they've gone online, they've found the reviews on Amazon, they've sent testimonies there and there, seeing how that book has really influenced their life. Yeah. Right now, many people buy the book for students, for high school, even if you are professionals, some, some, some parents, because it's an online comparison book yeah. that tells different spheres of life. So these are the three big things that the book will help you if you get the cut of the book. Okay. Um, I, I appreciate that. I, there's, there's another statement, um, you, you make, you have, and this is the statement, you have a distinct role that you have been methodically fashioned to play in demonstrating the boundless possibilities of the gift of life that God has given to you. Powerful statement goes back to when I was talking about the quiet reflection, right? I wrote this, this blog about you know, title quiet reflection that talks to us about reflecting who we are, our calling, our purpose, our dreams, quietly reflecting, asking ourselves if we're following our calling and utilizing the talents that God has bestowed upon us, or are we blinded and unsure of what that distinct role is in the gift of life that God has given us? Now, that statement, I mean, it's, it is your statement, of course, but I may need to borrow that statement. I have read it over and over, just that line, because it's. it, it may seem, maybe when you were writing it, you, your thoughts were just flowing, right? And you're, you're, you're writing this thing, but it is such a powerful, powerful statement because most of us do not know what our distinct roles are, or it takes us a very long time, even though it's right in front of us, but it takes us, a, we, we put it on the back burner. I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. That, that's what I really want to do. I always wanted to be a teacher. I always wanted to be a teacher. Not me. This is what people say. I always wanted to be a teacher. I always wanted to be a teacher. But then you look at what they're doing. They are actually, I, I don't know, come up with another thing, right? They're a soccer player. It's like, um, okay, you want to be a teacher? Go be a teacher, right? Get up, go do it right now, right? Don't, don't, don't wait on it. Because if, if that is what you have been methodically fashioned to do, in this life, this gift of life. I love this statement. I, I, could, I could say it over and over. I love this statement because it is so, so true. So unfortunately, I'm going to have to borrow this statement and somehow 
I'll try to remember to give you the credit for the statement, but I may not remember that every single time because it is a very, very, very powerful statement uh, to me. It really, it says a lot. Now, one or maybe a few things I took from the article that 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 you were featured. We I talked about it earlier that we are featured in Business Africa Online, and the article you wrote uh, was "Take Responsibility of Your Life." And there's there's a few things that stood out to me in that. But one of the things we're going to talk about is the blame game, the blame game that we all play when things do not work out. Rather, you know, you know, then as you literally put it take responsibility of your life, right? Instead of us just owning up our part to it, right? Or we, or, or do our parts, you know, what did we not do correctly? We actually play the, the, the blame game and, and truly success or fair depends on, on us all. Uh, don't wait for an opportunity to be created for you. This, this is another statement you make. Uh, don't wait for an opportunity to be created for you, rather create the opportunity for yourself. I'm telling you, when I read that, it sounds like you were speaking to me, Right. Don't wait around for something to happen. You can go. And as I embark upon this foundation, you, you're you my um, unofficial mentor just by reading your stuff, right? You're my unofficial, like, motivational speaker um, because of when I read your stuff, it really, really speaks to me. Um, and if I had continued to wait for the right time, the right connections, someone to help me kickstart my passion to address maternal mortality, I will still be at the White House waiting for that opportunity. Probably one of the boldest moves I've ever made because I'm the one who plays it safe every single time, right? Uh, But as the English poet Geoffrey Chaucer says, time and tide wait for no man. So here we are hosting a podcast and starting a foundation. But I I, I digress a little bit, but I, I think the statements you made in that article truly, truly resonated with me. I, I am one that takes responsibility, but I'm also one that has been, you know, you're just waiting for the right time. I don't know when the right time is. Oh, this is not the right time. Let me do one more year. Let me, I'll wait another year at the White House. I'll wait another, and, and you continue to wait around and you, 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 you gotta go, you gotta go do this, right? And so you don't wait for the opportunity to be created for you. You create the opportunity for yourself. I absolutely love that. So besides your book, of course, what book would you recommend as a resource for our African youth? There's one book I'm, I think would be of interest to them, and that book is um, the title Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And it's a fun book. Uh, I, I don't limit, limit knowledge because I know um, there are really good authors in Africa, but well, for me, this is a book that has really made a big interest. And one of the chapters of that book that I love so much was, I think that should be chapter six, I'm not so sure, or chapter five, which was about um, how you can use the power of the mind. Because they said, I think, it's just whatever your mind can complete, the least you can achieve it. Okay. okay. So the mindset is very, very powerful. Okay. Everything that we do in life comes from the mind. That's why I tell myself, I am a mindset coach. Okay. I work with people's mind. I work with people the way they are. So if you can think, you can grow. Yeah. So that's why he said, think and grow rich. People always say Africans is one of the highest from black man put in the book. But there's so much information in the book because sometimes people of color and people who are black or African or people deep mm-hmm. don't read. Yeah. And I believe a, a reader is a leader. People say me the US, I said, Harry, you you have amazing, you have a global figure phenomenal. It's not because I am SYZ or no, I read a lot. And when you read a lot of transformation this place, there's a book uh, by a great man. I, I, I'm trying to remember his name. 
It says, um, rice in make it a better man. Cause I speak it a ready man. But reading make it a full man. Mm-hmm. So once you read, the power is sufficient. Because if you're not informed, you are ill-informed. And once you're ill-informed, you can't perform. Because information leads to reformation and transformation. Yes. So you cannot under, underscore the power of books and reading. It will literally take you to planet it in the magic. Yeah. You know, I... Um this may be another African thing. I, I read a lot as a kid. I, I think, you know, we, we do in, in school, the, the literature books, we just, it just seemed like we're always reading. And it's, it's, it's actually translated into my life now as an adult. I, I'm not saying that every American is not this way. There, there are few that are very into reading, but, but because of the internet and all the stuff we have going on, people, it's just easier for people to just Google something, right? Versus, versus read. And I agree with you. Reading is such a, it's, it's such a powerful mechanism or tool and and I, I need to remember that for my for my children as well to keep them you know read read it's 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 good for you you should read and you should learn as much as you can from especially it depends on also what you're reading right but uh, I I definitely I definitely agree agree with that so um Mr. Ukazu we have a few rituals on this show and here's the first ritual every guest must leave some advice so with that, what are three recommendations? A three may be a lot, so you can, you know, let's go one to three. Give us one to three recommendations for our African leaders, ministers of education, ministers of youth, community leaders, as relates to youth empowerment. One to three. If you want to give me three, I'll take it too. Wow. Wow. So. Basically, you want to know what they can really do to empower the African youth, right? Yes, yes. And, and I, put all, I put all of them together because everybody kind of has a role, right? The government, the, you know, the president does, okay. and then the minister of education does, the minister of youth does, community leaders, right? The mayor, the chief, yes. all of them do, right? So what can they do? What are three recommendations? And let's, let's, let's do this. Let's break it down by one for the, the, the government officials and we'll do one for our community leaders, right? So one recommendation for one, one recommendation for the other group. Okay. So um, for, the, for the Minister of Education, what they need to do is to create an enabling environment for the youth to thrive. Mm-hmm. Just like in, 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 the, in the government, the government don't create jobs. Jobs are created by the private sector. But the government needs to provide the enabled environment for them to really try and create jobs. For the minister of youth and community leaders, for, for the ministers of youth, what they need to do is to provide skill acquisition programs, okay, opportunities by creating programs, awareness, symposiums, workshops, seminars to really help these young kids to really discover themselves. And then for the Community leaders, as it relates to youth empowerment, they on their part also can be involved in the lives of these young kids. And how can they be involved in them? Because you live with these young kids, you could tell them that you, you, could, you could recommend people to be their mentors because you live with them and you see them daily. So they could be an advocate of mentors and coaching that will help these young kids to really hone their skills on leadership and how they can really transform their lives by learning and doing what they are supposed to do because they live with them in the community. Yes, I like I like both of those, and I will definitely um, 
include those in in the show notes. I I definitely agree with that. So I can't even like I can't even debate it. <laughs> um, the the second ritual here, um, Mr. Henry Okazu, author, mindset coach, thought leader, mentor, self discovery expert, youth advocate, my unofficial mentor and motivational speaker. I've been interrogating you, so now I'm going to give you thirty seconds or so to ask me a question. But remember. I don't have all those titles. <laughs> I am not out there like you are. So go easy on me, okay? <laughs> oh, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, that's okay. So uh, for you, uh, I I really want to know. Even though I know you you, you have um, that interest in giving back to society, and you've done a lot, okay. But I want to really know what was the driving force for you to do what you are doing right now having known that you've worked in the white house you've seen you've worked with Barack obama you've worked with joe biden the former vice president you've worked with even the current vice president mm-hmm. of things yeah. and you've had a lot of leadership opportunities and you've met the high and mighty in the global war being the only state in the history of america that has worked in this platform yeah. what was it that made your design and then to put ahead in this space well that that's a that's a good question. Why, why? Um, it's simple. The future, though, of Africa is in our hands, right? I can continue to live here and work these, you know, jobs of of high importance. Uh, you know, get many, many, many degrees and do all of these things. But it takes you, it takes me, it takes so many of the diasporas to take our experience and education and savviness back to our home countries and be part of the change there. We should want our countries to be on par, you know, maybe that's a, that's a, that's a tall ask there, but we want our countries to be on par with, with, with as close as we can to Western society. I want all of us to lead the efforts on change align with our people and the different government sectors so that we can develop policies. I've learned a lot of policy making. I've learned a lot of diplomacy. I've learned so much, right, from these roles that you've just mentioned, um, that we we could be part of working groups that, that I want to take this leadership and this public service skill set that I've gained here back and invest in the success of our countries. And now I'm not knocking people that that don't see it that way or that, that, that don't go back and, and, or if they do go back, they get into politics or consulting, but, but we do need, we need more policy developers across all sectors. We need more business savvy folks to invest and attract business opportunities. Our healthcare system, our after-school youth programs, our roads, our energy, vocational pro- programs, housing and development. I mean, I can go on and on and on good governance. All of that needs to be prioritized. We need to invest in all of our citizens. Now, we speak a lot about youth and women's empowerment support groups, so we need the same for men. And if we do not create opportunities for employment or improve the standard of living for all of our people, corruption, bribery, embezzlement, squandering, grievances, poor governance will never go away. So there's so much work to be done in Africa, and I know that we can do it, but it will take us, the somewhat advantaged, and I'm you know, saying advantaged, quote unquote, uh, ones to genuinely give back to our countries for its betterment and not for our own benefits. And so me getting up to go do that is truly for that reason. It is not, I'm not there's nothing I'm running away from. It is not, you know, either, either party had won, I would have been fine regardless, right? I have a relationship with, with, with both teams. And so, uh, so it's not even about a me thing. This is now about my country, right? Every time 
you hear or read something about Sierra Leone, it's on a list of like not doing well, right? Or another West African country of sorts, whether it's maternal mortality, whether it's, you know, Ebola, whether it's name a thing, right? We're associated with so many um, negative things. And I want to be part of those people that go and, and do my little part. I can't fix it all. I am not the smartest person in the room, but I do have the passion for my country, for to improve my country, whatever it is that I can do, I want to be a part of that. So, so, so that's, that's the, the, the long answer to the uh, short question. <laughs> Hopefully I, I answered that question correctly. Yes, indeed. Great, great. Um, so my dear listeners, Indian activist Kailash Satyarthi once said, the power of youth is the commonwealth for the entire world. The faces of young people are the faces of our past, our present, and our future. No segment in the society can match with the power, idealism, enthusiasm, and courage of the young people. So as we on the Saibatsu journey spend this month focused on our youth, let's not just listen in on the challenges, but let's also do something about it, starting in our neighborhoods and communities. Mr. Okazu has given us very good advice, and I'm definitely going to add that to the show notes. We can all influence, motivate, inspire our African youth to be great. There are a hundred miles between good and great, and we want them to be great. We should all want our future leaders to be the best version of themselves by providing the tools, the resources, the mentorship, but by also modeling good behavior and serving as inspiring local role models to our youth. Now, Henry, you have graciously offered to donate 10 copies of your book to the Sabatu Mansare journey. And if it's okay with you, I would like to make those books available to both our youth and our young women in Sierra Leone. Does that work for you? I know you donated and you're like, you can do whatever you want with it, but I want to make sure that it meets a population, it targets a population that will both benefit from it. Yeah, that's okay. Yes, um, I have no problem with that. My biggest um, interest and vision is just to make sure that it gets to the desired people, people who the book will make will make an impact in your life. I don't really care who you are in Africa, <laughs> in Nigeria, in America. Yeah. Who provided the book and make an impact in your life. And I'm glad you're going to get that to Africa because again, it's one of their people again, reading it. So that's okay with me. Yes, yes. And, and we want to get reading back into, you know, into a normal thing. Um, Mr. Okazu, it's been great chatting with you and it's been my extreme pleasure having you stop by the Sabatsu Mansare journey. Keep advocating for our youth and keep cranking out those inspiring self-help books. Too many of us actually need it. That's the truth. Thank you. Great, great, great. So for more information on Henry Ukazu, you can find him on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter under Henry Ukazu. Um, also, Henry, I would like you to tell the listeners where they can get a copy of your inspirational and motivational book, Design Your Destiny. The book is on Amazon. We just go to Amazon. Just click Henry Okazo, H-E-N-R-O-Y-U-K-A-Z-U, the book will pop out. Or you don't put the title, Design Your Destiny, as well as your breakfast success. Alternatively, you can just go to my website, GloeMi.com. The book is also on the website. So I'm pretty much available on the internet. If you have any difficulty or problem, I'm, I'm, I'm public. 
Great, great, great. I will list all of that in the show notes uh, to include your where they can find you on, on social media. I'll include your website. I'll include the link to the uh, to Amazon as well. Uh, this has been a great discussion. I look forward to engaging with as many youth advocates as possible, but also just your 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 natural ability to mentor, inspire, motivate each and every one of us. I look forward to tapping into that knowledge because collectively we all owe each other a fighting chance to a great future. Now, before we officially sign off, I would like to take a moment to sincerely thank the Mansoray Foundation Platinum donors and their support in the hashtag Fight for Our Mothers campaign. One US dollar is worth roughly 10,000 Leones and your generous donation will go directly towards equipping rural clinics with the proper medical resources needed to provide quality care. We are extremely grateful. Now, listeners, you're not off the hook yet. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave me a rating and a review, and I look forward to hearing from you. Please be sure to hit subscribe so you do not miss out on any of my weekly shows. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. Thank you all for tuning in to the show. If you want to learn more about what we talked about today, you can visit our website, sabatsumansaray.com. If you like the show, please make sure to like and subscribe so you can get new episodes directly onto your phone. But let's keep the conversation going between episodes on Facebook at the Sabatsumansaray Journey and the same on Twitter and Instagram. You can always find us there talking faith, resilience, empowerment, and our beloved Mother Africa. Thank you again for your support. See you back here next week.